0: You are listening to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach the advancing journeyman
1: developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast.
0: Insert unique and funny comment. When you're going out for a new position, you want to put your best foot forward and stand out from the rest of the applicants. This week, we're going to discuss some common ways to distinguish yourself and how you can go beyond them to truly set yourself apart. We'll start with talking about having career goals and then discuss building your own personal brand and maintaining your skill set. Next, we'll get into understanding your audience. And finally, we'll discuss how community service can set you apart from the crowd. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? I'm in smoke alarm purgatory. Like This
1: this sounds like something that shouldn't tick me off as much as it does, but all the smoke alarms in my house are wired together. So mm-hmm. like if one of them goes off, they all go off, which sounds great in practice, right? Except what else can set off a smoke alarm? Dust. Or it can just be malfunctioning. And when yeah. it's malfunctioning and it's wired in and there's like six or seven other ones, how do you debug that and go, okay, which one is wrong? Do I throw them all out and get all new ones and hope that that works? Because it could also be, you know, hey, there's faulty wiring. Yeah. And, like, this is three times I've had to run around the house, you know, because it, it'll go off at, like, uh, like uh this morning it went off at 620, right? It's really, really loud, and, you know, I don't want, like, my dog's hearing to be damaged. And, like, it's pretty cruel to leave an animal in that noise all day, but I don't have another option. So, I like, I ran around the house with a ladder and just disconnected all the smoke alarms. This is yeah. three times we've had to do this. So well, now we only have one connected, and we're going to leave it that way for a few days. And then we're going to connect another one and then leave it that way for a few days. Like, that's the only way I can figure out. And this is the dumbest thing in the world. All they had to do was put an indicator light on there saying, hey, this one's the one that's detecting stuff. But they didn't do it. It just blows my mind. I, I don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> like, why is that not a thing? So, yeah, that's, that's what I'm dealing with is just like you would be – I mean, well – you know how narrow this certain parts of this house are like going from the basement and trying to get around by the studio and go up the stairs. It's very tight. And you take a, you know, six foot ladder and try to run because it's making loud noises and, you know, hurting everybody's ears. You're trying to just make it stop because I can't stand loud, repetitive noises like that. I know. And, uh, yeah, man, it stresses me out so much.
0: (laughs) That's can't, ah, can't deal with that. So how about you? I've been fighting Comcast. All week. And as I mentioned in a previous episode... I would say want to trade, but I don't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I rather really have a smoke alarm. <laughs> yeah, I understand. As I mentioned in a previous episode, I attempted to completely get rid of cable. Well, it's cheaper to have cable and internet than just internet for some crazy reason. But uh, since I've got it, I decided, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and connect it to my Fire TV and, you know, be able to watch it. I'm paying for it. I might as well use it. I'm not going to pay for it and not use it. Yeah, that has caused no end of trouble with Comcast because they want you to pay for it but not use their service, apparently. I don't know. Well, that lowers the maintenance requirements. That's true. You know, If I were getting paid for the time that I've spent on the phone with customer support, I'd have a few months of my rent paid already.
1: I went through that, if you remember, like after yeah. I moved in here, and it was just constant. I got hit with like a $700 bill and I figured out that the TV doesn't default to have parental controls, which is kind of stupid when you think mm-hmm. about that. It's like, look, I got cable, you know, I've got to have this dude out here during the day and they set everything up and I'm trying to, yeah, you know, like that's just not the way I think about it. And so I got burned. And then there was other stuff where, you know, they, they, they also like to bump the bill every few months. You got to call and scream at them. Because they mm-hmm. tack some other ten dollar charge on, and it's it's like I'll take my business elsewhere. If I have anywhere else to go, but I'll go there. A- and you got to do that like every few months. It's just it's like clockwork. You almost need to set like a repeating task of yell at Comcast.
0: Yeah, well, back in I don't remember if it was November December, AT and T came out and installed all their stuff, and they're going through the entire complex and installing for AT and T fiber. The moment they knock on my door, I mean, I'm just waiting on them to get it turned on. And for them to come by and try to sell it to me because they've made a sale.
1: yeah because well, like the Google Fiber people came around here yeah you know a while back and you know they they knocked on the door and they had the Google Fiber shirts on and I opened up and I said, yes <laughs> yeah I think go what? And I said, don't you know everybody here has Comcast? <laughs> and you've gone this far and you're surprised by my answer? Yeah. And they're like, no. yeah, we're not really <laughs> no. I get you, man. They, uh, I, I think once they get some competition, I think they're. E- they're I mean, they're either going to tank or they're going to fix things. Like it's yeah. going to be one of the two.
0: Now, in better news, as I announced on our Facebook Live this evening, I recently submitted to talk at Music City Code or Music City Tech. It's sort of the combination of all of the Music City conferences there. If selected, I'll be talking about the developer's role in Scrum. Also, I've recently been inspired to create a new talk for when I'm going out to code schools and boot camps on how to think like a developer. And what I'm hoping to do with it is have it be sort of a early on in your schooling kind of talk so that they hear my talk on how to think like a developer. And then when you come in towards the end of the boot camp or whatever and talk about whiteboard interviews, they coincide and the thinking and the way to think like a developer, they can apply practically at the whiteboard point. And so like, I'm hoping we can kind of tie those in, in that manner. And, you know, sort of to get the whole process. Cause I don't think schools, especially like the coding schools and the boot camps, they're so focused on teaching you the practical coding. They don't put a lot of emphasis on the problem solving. They expect you to figure that out on your own. Yeah. Or through, you know, people coming in and doing talks like what we do.
1: Yeah. I think it's a good supplement to to what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And, and so that's, that's sort of where I'm going to go with that. And finally, I set up my Alexa and kind of been playing around with some of the features. I've even been looking into building some apps or as they're called skills. The other day, my boss sent out a link to a article talking about how Indiana had set up an Alexa app or skill that was developed by the state so i mentioned oh hey i got an alexa for my birthday i've been playing around and looking at you know developing some of the skills and kind of basically got permission to research building alexa skills on the clock that's kind of cool that is cool speaking of alexa though i've got something smart home related for iot's This week for IoTs, I have a product called Apple HomePod. Apple has joined the ranks of Amazon and Google with their smart home speaker, the Apple HomePod. Using the Siri interface, it allows you to use Apple Music to learn your tastes in music, and then it can select songs for you and, you know, suggest music Mm. you might like. It's also capable of handling just about any of the smart home tasks that say amazon's echo um, or google home can do it contains a special a8 chip developed by apple and has seven different beam forming sound horns that transmit sound in all directions but also allow the microphone to hear you over the music it even contains a spatial awareness with an advanced echo cancellation system it's really cool kind of a neat idea they're they're Taking the idea of these smart home speakers, you know, Amazon's Echo, Google Home, those things, and going the next step.
1: Yeah, I'm still a little hesitant to have something like that. What I wish I could do is get one that lives on my network and doesn't go out and just like have a service running that does the things, which I know is going to be really hard. Yeah. But I would like to see that someday because I don't like all that stuff going out to the cloud because who knows?
0: Yeah, but I use mine mostly for listening to music because I've got the fire TV stick. I can control my TV. So like commercial comes on, I get up and go to the bathroom. I hear that the shows come back on. I can just holler out from the bathroom. Alexa, pause. You know, it's it's like having a girlfriend, but not. So who's talking to us this week? Well, this week we got a comment on Google Plus from Bronco Billy. It's a great podcast. Thanks, guys. Yes. Uh, Amazingly, we, we had a comment on Google Plus. Actually, it was a kind of older comment. We're, we're a little low on comments. So when I was looking, I, I actually had to go to Google Plus to find a comment. Mm. But uh, thanks, Billy. Nice to see a few people are actually on Google Plus and paying attention to what we post there. So that's pretty cool. Send us an email with your contact information because we've got a Complete Developer Water Bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own Complete Developer Water Bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all of our episodes to Google Plus, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We're also on Path and Tumblr, and we do have several photos now posted on Instagram. You can also check us out each week on Facebook and Twitter Live, where we talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer some listener questions. Or join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com.
1: When going for a new job, you want to set yourself apart from all the other applicants and be memorable. Setting yourself aside from the rest of the applicants gives you a better chance of getting the job.
0: There are plenty of blogs and websites that Tell you how to stand out. I found a plethora of them when I was doing the research on this. We're going to go through a few of the things in each of these blogs and sort of talk about how to stand out when everyone else is trying to do the same. You know, a lot of people going for jobs are going to be looking at the same blog posts and same material that you're looking at and doing similar things to stand out. So, What we want to do is look at those things that they're telling you and talk about why that's important and how even when everyone else is doing it, you can set yourself apart from them. We'll start by exploring your career goals and then delve into building your personal brand and improving your skills. And finally, we'll discuss how knowing your audience and contributing to the community can set you apart. So, before going after any job, whether you're moving into development or you're going for a new position, you want to have clearly defined goals for your career. Know the direction that you want your career to go in. Do you want to go down a management path? Do you want to stay more in the code and go towards a software architect? Or do you want to break
1: off on your own and be an entrepreneur? Yeah, and that's kind of been my guiding principle. Like, I have pushed towards architect level skills because I know I'm going to need some of that in the entrepreneurial space, but I want to get out and have my own thing. Like I always have.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's been the reason I've made some of the decisions I've made. That's also why I'm working at a smaller company instead of a bigger one, because I could probably get paid more at a bigger company, maybe, but then I got to deal with the corporate environment. You know, I've got to deal with all this other stuff. And what I don't get is the cross training because they say, you're a developer, you develop things. We're not going to even let you admin a server if you do that. And so you do have to kind of make those choices as
0: you go. And this is one I made pretty early. That's one of the lucky things about my job, especially being the first job. I mean, because it's a large organization, you know, government. Right. Big organization. Yeah. But it's a small department and a smaller division within that department. So it's we're treated like a small company. And our customers are other divisions within our department. So I get a lot of that, you know, multiple roles, cross training. I get to do a lot of different things that you get at a small company. But I also get the benefits of a larger organization. So it's, I, I mean, like I said, I, I couldn't have, I would not have even known to look for what I have now. Yeah. Um, and it's given me the opportunity to sit back and go, all right, what do I want to do? Do I want to go into management? Do I want to be an architect? Do I want to be an entrepreneur? Given that ever since I was old enough to sell magazines in school, I have enjoyed you know, running my own thing. I'm probably going the entrepreneur way eventually. But before I get there, I could do a full career at the state, retire, yeah, early and then- retirement, and then still be young enough to go start my own business.
1: Yeah. And you'd have the experience and a lot of governmental connections and yeah. you could actually sell to government. Mm-hmm. And that would be perfect for you. Um With my stuff, what I've done is some of the jobs I've had have not been as strategic yeah. because it was like when my daughter was born. I worked at a very big company because you need stability though, more than anything else. Whereas- I have worked at a lot of startups and you know, smaller companies, and that's what I try to do because I don't want to just have the coding skills. I want to be able to do sales. I want to be able to do email marketing. I want to be able to, you know, manage servers, do all the, you know, manage people and, and get into all those other things. And, and my job is perfect for that right now as well.
0: Yeah. Cause you're getting to do a lot of different stuff. Yeah. So, and again, I, I lucked into mine because I'm starting out my career and it was get a job as a developer. I just happened to luck into a job that was right, yeah, the right thing for me. Um, my luck, you know.
1: Yeah, you you got dumb luck. It just doesn't. thing.
0: Uh, whereas you you've you know not always been able to guide yourself towards that. But what you want to do is look at what do I want, where do I want to go ultimately with my career, and then plan a path according to this goal. So what you want to do is find a way to make each position move you towards your ultimate goal. Now sometimes. Stepping back can be necessary to the overall forward progress. So, like you said, when your daughter was born, you needed a stable job. That was what was needed in your life at the time. That doesn't mean that you can't learn something there or progress yourself
1: right. from that. Well, and the other thing is, is like I did this, um, what, two and a half years ago when I got no. my current job. I was doing consulting and stuff. And, you know, I think like the first couple of episodes of this podcast we right around the time that, you know, the first, they came out Yeah. right around the time that I had that new job. Um, I'd been doing consulting before that. had worked with a startup, didn't go anywhere. And the instability was getting to the point where I couldn't make any long-term plans on anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when it finally bumped down, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get a, we'll get a job at a small company where I can make a difference and pick up the other skills that I know I need to Ooh. be in control of my life.
0: What you had was you had the ultimate goal of what you wanted in mind what you want to do is with each job even if it's not the perfect fit or even if it's not oh this is you know I'm taking this job to learn these skills you still want to keep that goal in mind and move yourself towards that yes um we have a friend that is i think she's like a year junior to me and she wants to do more of a sort of project management like that's the direction she wants to go and now she just started a job not too long ago, um I think a few months back, where she's doing mostly development. That's what her skills are, But they're letting her take over some of the business analyst side of things because that's the direction she wants to go in. and she kind of she kind of held out for a job because she got herself into a position. You know, she worked some jobs that weren't there, got herself into a position where she could hold out for a what job that yeah. Also, along the way, you may change the direction that you want to go with your career. Like, I think you did not start off wanting to be an entrepreneur, did you? Well, I, I
1: kind of did, but I thought that was a longer-term goal and I wanted to get there by way of consultants.
0: Okay, that makes sense.
1: That, and I thought, you know, hey, I want to I want to manage a team of developers. I want to have this organization where I go out and I find work and then, you know, we go, you know, we go handle a problem for somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Then I got more experienced at dealing with the, the things that go on in that kind of environment. And I realized I don't want this at all.
0: The thing is, when you realize that, you were still able to use the experience you'd gained working towards that to move towards a new goal.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, I had a visualization of what that goal meant. Mm-hmm. It's It's not just the goal, but it's what you get out of it. And it's self-determination. I get to work on interesting problems. I can't get downsized by somebody deciding that they need to make the numbers look good for this quarter so they get a bonus. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of stuff is what I wanted. We still have that as an entrepreneur. You can also have that as an employee of a big company. A lot of times, if you're critical,
0: yeah. What you want to do is, if you find that your direction is changing, use what you've already learned and redesign your path to work towards your goal. I mean, we've kind of talked about Will's path from wanting to go into management and from there manage a group of developers to going a different direction after he saw what that was like. And that happened to me with medicine. Yeah. I got into it and I'm like, this is not really what I want to do. And I ca- kind of came full circle the long way around.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and I wanted to uh, you know get into biology and I was really interested in biologically inspired computing algorithms. Mm-hmm. So, like, I look at all the machine learning stuff out there and I'm like, I was going that way and then I changed. It's, yeah. it's kind of weird watching it pick up now.
0: Mm-hmm. The key thing here is that having these definitive goals of I know where I want to be 5, 10, 15 years from now show that you can provide consistency to a potential employer. Well, the, the big thing is they want to see that you're not going to flag or that you're not going to change direction too easily. You're not going to come in and be like, I want to be a developer. I'm going to be a developer. And then you do it for about six months and go, I don't want to be a developer anymore. I don't like this. This is hard. And, you know, they they don't want to put that effort in. And, you know, especially at the junior level, they're really picky about that because, you know, a lot of people, there's a A lot lot more burnout. Yeah. Being able to articulate your goals, especially with a planned path towards them, shows that, you're going to be consistent. You know, you're going to come in and you're not going to go, oh, this is hard, I don't want to do it. Because then you're never going to reach that goal that you have. The next thing that you hear a lot about is building your brand. Your brand is how you present yourself to the world. You're, it's the content that you have control over. And in it, you want to emphasize your key personal attributes. So to start off, build your online presence.
1: Yeah. The first thing on that is like actually use social media in an intelligent way. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That doesn't mean get on Twitter and talk about, you know, the new sandwich at McDonald's. The best one I've seen, honestly, is LinkedIn because it is a professional network. You know, and by the way, listeners, if you want to connect with me on there, like do that. I'm totally fine with that. And I think you are too. Like we like building our network, especially in a real professional environment.
0: With people that we know are going in the direction that we want to go,
1: right? Not just you know randos, which is the other thing too. Like if you get on Twitter, you get followed by a lot of people, and it's a lot of them. It's kind of dubious why they're following you, and then a lot of them are adult entertainment too, which is a whole nother can of worms. But <laughs>
0: we won't get into that. But
1: yeah.
0: I, I've almost well, given up on Twitter. Well, the thing is, there's a lot of good stuff on Twitter. We met, we made friends within the developer podcasting community through Twitter. Yes. Which led to to other things where you know now we regularly have conversations with other developer podcasts thanks to Twitter. And so there's a lot of really good stuff on there and there's a lot of crap as well. Yeah. And I, I've gotten a bit pickier about who will follow back. Yeah. <laughs> but when we first started, I was just trying to build. Yeah. And so every follower we got, I follow back, follow back, follow back. And now I've gone through several times and just gone, you know, you're not in anywhere in our industry.
1: Or um, I guess that's probably what I need to do with my personal Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. But I just haven't found that as useful for LinkedIn because I can connect with people and it's it, it sets the tone of the interaction in a way that I like.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that I liked about Twitter was was like the what Code Newbie did with it. Yeah. With the Twitter chats where you used a hashtag and everybody just you know, kept searching that hashtag and like they set it so that only that would show up. And then you could have like a conversation with multiple people. It's kind of cool. It was a neat idea. I loved what they did with it. I think that was a great use of that platform.
1: Yeah. Um, Facebook. Um, we do have our podcast on Facebook. We, we do have, our Facebook lives. Yeah. And we do. And we make, we make pretty good use of it. Um, Google plus. Um, I do like the way that they have laid things out with the circles. Yeah. I will say that that is a more intelligent way to do things. Like I, I saw an interview with uh, Mark Zuckerberg talking about how he laid out Facebook. And it was basically like this thing of, oh, you, know, you post something. like They basically intend that, oh, you're posting it to everybody. So like I do like the way Google Plus laid it out. I really think they dropped the ball on beating mm-hmm. Facebook as a social network. But they could
0: pick up. When you're working on your online presence, you want to have a strategy for your posting. So don't make it all about you. Share content from other people jump in and help other people. Right. Spread your posts out so that they don't overload people's feeds. It's really easy to get on early in the morning or in the evening when you get off work and just post a bunch of stuff. I've got several friends
1: that do that and they've got really interesting, weird stuff a lot of times. But, you know, you you, know, you get up and you're like, okay, you know, it's like the middle of the night is the, is yeah. the worst. Like if you can't sleep. and Facebook, this is a horrible habit. I don't do it very often. But, you know, I'll come downstairs because I don't have it on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I'll sit there and I'll scroll through the feed until I get tired again, which usually doesn't take me that long. Honestly, it doesn't seem to affect me. But there is like there is like two people that I am Facebook friends with, and they'll post like twenty articles at like two o'clock in the morning. Don't do that.
0: That's because they're laying in bed, yeah, playing on Facebook, and they're like, "Ooh, that's neat. That's neat." Yeah, yeah, I understand that. And this is why
1: we use stuff like Buffer. Yeah, right. So you can buffer the posts, and it it goes mm-hmm. out at specified intervals.
0: And, and mix in some personal content to humanize yourself, but also make sure you remain professional if it's going to be more public.
1: Yeah. And this, that's kind of something we've done with this podcast, right? That's why we talk about what we're fighting this week in addition to the the subject matter. It's because it does humanize us. Um, If we drop that off, I mean, there's people that go, oh, I don't want to hear about your personal life. But the fact is, is like overall the audience would drop Mm -hmm. because now we're just sort of
0: Yeah. I mean, someone that doesn't care about a personal life, they can fast forward through the three to five minutes that we yeah. talk about it
1: now I'll say on the other side of it you don't share too much on the personal stuff it's not just like the you know potentially damaging info mm-hmm. but like going at length well, yeah you want to remain professional there's one or two podcasts that I listen to on occasion and what I do is you know bring it up in the podcast player and I drag the scroll bar for 30 minutes and then start playing yeah. Because they waste that much time, And I'm like, I can literally get to work before you shut up about your personal life. Like, that's not okay either.
0: Oh yeah, I, I, I know. I don't know if it's the same ones I list. I have listened to because I stopped listening to some podcasts because there would be a really fascinating topic.
1: Yeah, and they don't it, have time to cover it.
0: Uh, yeah, it will. It would. It would be a 45 minute podcast, and the last five minutes would be on the topic. Yes, I, I have seen that, and it's it's okay. If, like sometimes it happens. It's once. Like, you know, all right, we screwed up. But it's really not. I mean, but when it was when it's consistent is the problem that I noticed. Finally, on your social media, keep your online resume up to date.
1: It really should be a living document that you keep up to date. I mean, I, I agree with that. That sentiment It's just in my particular case. It's like, yeah, that's not top priority at the moment.
0: Next, you want to improve your physical presence. And there's a common quote that we've both said and heard. Um, probably most of most of our professional careers, which is dress for the job you want not the job you have
1: yeah um and i'll I'll admit freely this is that not, does not
0: mean you can dress like Batman
1: yeah I'll admit freely that you know I wear jeans and a t-shirt to work because that's kind of what's expected now if I'm doing something like I'm speaking or we have uh, clients coming in or even if the board is coming in most of the time even though the board like they completely don't care I tend to dress a little nicer I I wear pajama
0: pants and a bathrobe.
1: Yeah. Well, see, I mean, like in my oh. office, it's very common for people to come in. Like if I if I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt, there's some other people that are dressed less well. Yeah. You know, out, out of the office, so it's it's totally okay cuz they just don't care. But um the only person
0: in my office other than me is my dog, so yeah. Yeah, I, w- I work from home a lot. When I do go into the office, I wear khakis and a polo. Just because, you know, I I go into an office and it's one day a week. You know, I can dress up. Sometimes I wear jeans and a polo or jeans and a button down. Just, you know, the the idea here is you want to dress nice. The way you dress is an indication of status. You know, the longer the beard, the greater the developer. Especially if you're a girl developer, right? (laughs) That other that works? <laughs> <laughs> Drink enough IPAs and you'll grow a beard. Yeah, <laughs> just automatically.
1: <laughs> no, um, I mean I do think the physical presence thing matters. Um, yeah. I also think a lot of it has to do uh, with how you carry yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because it, you can you can dress well, like if you wear khakis and a nice polo and all, and then you slump and you you, know, you kind of shuffle your feet and you look at the floor, you look like a developer, not a very good one. Yeah. And you'll get treated socially badly, whereas you can you can get away with a lot more with good body language.
0: Also, general grooming and appearance give people sort of an impression of discipline. Yeah, that you can hold yourself to do the things that you commit to.
1: And that's one thing I've I've noticed people. You'll have some people that go okay, like with the beards thing, right? Oh, you, you look sloppy. Like, do you realize how much effort a beard is? I know you do. Yeah. But it's not it's not something that's like oh I just let it grow on my face it's you got to trim it you got to kind of keep mine's not a good example right now because I actually need to do some work on it tonight but um, you know you do have to kind of get it where it's the same length and brush it oh, out you, and
0: you like I have long hair and a beard yeah and uh, you know I thankfully I've worked with kids I had two little sisters so I, I understood how to take care of long hair I remember after growing mine out the first time I went to get my beard and hair trims just sort of straightened up by a professional yeah. barber. They looked at my hair and were like, how long have you had long hair? I was like, "Ah, oh, I started growing it out about a year ago or so. Like, really? You Like, I showed him a picture of me a-, a year prior with short hair and like, this is really nice. Most guys that grow their hair out are just like naughty and just terrible. Yeah. Like, well, I brush it every day. And yeah. You have to maintain. You take care of it. It takes effort. Yeah. And it, Like,
1: those little subtle appearance cues, like, if you have somebody that goes, oh, you grow a beard, it's ratty, you know, like or they think that that is a sign of lack of discipline, that's probably not somebody that really has a a good eye for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it is a lot of effort. It's not, you know, especially for a guy. Because, like, when when my head, you know, when I basically had really short hair and I had no beard, there was no maintenance other than, like, a quick shave, like, every other day because my facial hair doesn't grow that fast.
0: Yeah, whereas me, it's like... If I wanted to maintain a clean shaven look, I'd have Just to shave, shave twice at lunch. a day. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> your eleven o'clock shadow. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, next, grow your influence with two-way networking. Network not only to benefit yourself, but also to add benefit to others. Yeah, and this is something that I think a lot of people miss on the networking thing. Like
1: if you go to a like a business networking event there's always somebody there trying to sell insurance and they're not trying to find out your needs. They're just trying to sell insurance. Like it's the beginner
0: insurance salespeople. Like have you experienced that? Having been a beginner insurance salesperson, I saw people do this a lot. And it was, it was funny because I'd like, I'd watch them do it and I'm like, you're not going to make a sale. No. And they would come out with no sales whatsoever. Whereas I would go into an event and I would just like shake hands, I'd hand out a couple of business cards. I'd spend more time talking to people and just BSing than anything else. And you know what ended up happening? They two come to weeks, you because they remember you. Two or three weeks later I'd get a call going, Hey, you said you could get me you know get my company insurance and we're we're small, you we know, we don't really we can't afford insurance, but you can get us a discount on a group rate or something. I'm like, yeah, and then I'd end up making a sale because I didn't try to. And it, it sounds oxymoronic when you say it, but when you really experience it, it's, I'm building a rapport. So the, the idea of two-way networking is that you aren't just looking to get something out of the networking. You're also providing value. Right. So Will and I have Developer Launchpad. That's the local meetup we have here in Nashville. And part of that is networking. But we're not looking just to meet other people in the industry or to meet people that can help us out. We're also looking to help other people out.
1: Yeah. And that's actually probably 95% of the effort goes towards that. Mm-hmm. Because one thing I've discovered and everybody discovers this at some point is that, you know, if you help other people out and you're useful enough,
0: you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the next thing in this is you want to get to know not just the hiring manager or the decision maker. In sales terms, but also the people that are using what you offer. So, the other team members, the, the people that are going to be in the trenches with you working, you want to get to know them. And the, the clearest thing I have on this is we do group interviews. We, we just interviewed someone for a position working with SQL and doing reports. And management had interviewed the person, thought they were great. Then the team interviewed them, and the team goes, uh, You know, something's get, off. Yeah, you know, something's off here. They've got a great resume, but, you know, it may be they had a great resume builder because we're, we're just not feeling that this person is up to the workload that we have. And that's a big thing. You want to not just impress the person making the decision, but impress the people you're going to be working with as well. Um, finally, on this, keep track of your contacts. And stay in touch, even when you're not looking for a job. Especially when you're not looking. Yeah. Recruiters do this. They'll try to maintain a relationship, even if they're not trying to place you. Um, I know you and I have a, a Lena that's been on Probably the podcast. recruiters yeah. that know who we are. Well, like, I, I was just yeah. going to say the ones that we know pretty well. Lena's been on the podcast. Yeah. And we go out to lunch with her, you know, every couple of months, just sort of to maintain that relationship. And because the position you don't want to be in is, okay, you get...
1: Laid off from a job, and now you you pop onto LinkedIn, LinkedIn like a ghost, coming back and going boo at all your former coworkers. Yeah, you know, and like trying to find people that can help you get a job because you're desperate. Because mm-hmm. that desperation really doesn't do you any favors.
0: The the key point here, and the way to really really stand out is to understand that you're offering an investment, not just a product.
1: Right, like if they invest in a relationship with you. It's going to help them out in the long term and vice versa versus
0: it's a quick fix. Right. You Think about interviewing as selling your experience and abilities and your potential for growth. You want to avoid arrogance just like you want to avoid being too humble.
1: Yeah, you know? and that's the one that's that's really insidious too. Yeah,
0: it, it's, you need to have a, cl- a realistic idea and present yourself in a realistic manner, but have a clear sense of your abilities. You can get this through like testing yourself and pushing your knowledge, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but you're offering not only what you know now, but what you can learn and your ability to grow. So that's the real trick with this personal brand and the way to stand out with it is to be able to show what you can not just bring to the table now, but where you're going down the line.
1: The next way to differentiate yourself is to continually improve your skills You need to be learning new things all the time, and this means embracing the unknown. You want to be proactive and not reactive. In other words, you want to be in a career position where things are stable, but you're learning the next upcoming technology rather than getting stuck in the old stuff. And to do this, you're going to need to use a bunch of different resources. You need to know what's available. You should have figured out by now what your preferred method of learning is. Uh, BJ's and mine uh, is Pluralsight. Uh, we go through Pluralsight courses pretty much whenever we want to learn anything. That's our f- you know first go-to thing. And you need to understand why a particular resource is your preferred one. So like in my case and BJ's case, um, part of the reason we get into Pluralsight is, well, for one thing, you know I have multiple screens, so I can work side by side with what they're mm-hmm. doing. I can watch them as they're going. I can pause and it's not dense reading and, and scrolling back and forth. The other thing is they keep it up to date.
0: That's one of the things that really got me is I can go on and even if it is learning a slightly older tech, it's the up to date version of right. that slightly older tech.
1: Yeah. Because if you want a ASP.NET core tutorial, that's like the worst thing out there to try to get right now. It seems like you know with just like on blogs and stuff because oh, you yeah, go through everybody's the tutorials, doing it. And, and they're six months old and Microsoft changed stuff a whole bunch because mm-hmm. that those are, you know, like R1 and R2 and even the, you know, the actual releases, you know, they've changed enough stuff on how the tooling works that you're just stuck.
0: Now, I, I don't know about you, but I've been doing, I've been participating in some interviews recently. And one thing that I look for is that the people I'm interviewing have their own or know how they like to learn. Yeah. And they can tell you why. So, you know, someone that's a newer developer, I've been told, really likes Treehouse um, or Linda. Uh, and those are great resources early on. They have some more advanced stuff, but not as much as, say, Pluralsight. And then you'll
1: also deal with developers that go, well, I'd like to go to, you know, on the job training. Okay, that's a that's a neutral answer. And some of them will be like, because I can get help, I get one-on-one help. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very focused, all that. And it's, you know, it's exactly what the employer is looking for. You'll get others that go, I want to get on the job training because I don't think I should have to pay for it or spend any of my own time. That guy, you don't hire.
0: And I've had a few of those that, you know, we we ask, what do you do? How do you learn? Well, it's what what the employer provides, what they want me to learn, that kind of thing. And the the person, I, I felt bad because I'm like, I can tell they're trying to answer like what they think we want to hear, that we want to hear them say they they only want to learn what we want them to learn. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Uh-uh. I, that, is, that is the polar opposite of what I want to hear. I want to hear that you are passionate, that you are going to not only learn the skills that you need for the job, but learn them more, that you're going to bring things to the job. Like that was one of the things after my interview, I, I've been told the manager went and talked to the lead developer about and said you know was so excited about my enthusiasm for learning yeah it's like he's going to bring stuff in that we're not even thinking about yet
1: yeah and, and i get that kind of feedback from w- when i've interviewed as well
0: in yeah and reason. and i have like you know we're doing things now that they weren't even considering doing and it's things that i've brought in Yeah, and that's what i'm looking for i'm like i'm looking for somebody else that's going to go it's going to find the thing that i'm not thinking about and bring it in and teach me
1: Well, it's like my boss has told me, and I I know he got this from somewhere else, but I don't know where. And he said, you hire B players and they hire C players so that they don't have
0: somebody looking better than them. You hire A players and they hire A plus players. So they can learn from them. Right. (laughs) Yeah. In addition to having a preferred source of learning or even learning style, you need to keep up with the current trends in the industry. You Follow industry leaders. Listen to podcasts. About things going on in your industry. Check out news sources, not only in development, but also in the industry that you're looking to go into.
1: Right. Cause like I, you know, I get a lot of stuff from the print industry. Like one of the first things I did um, after I got this job is I was like, uh, I need some email lists to get on. Yeah. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I, I want like big companies propaganda in this space, like whatever mm-hmm. their newsletter is. Wh- how do I get that?
0: Yeah. I mean I've spoken at the um ITPA, yeah, uh, IT professional association for the state of Tennessee employees. Uh the thing with uh you know,
1: keeping up with current trends is what happens to developers that don't is they tend to kind of not grow. Right. And they get just hit from the side basically at some point. The tech changes and they are completely unable to deal and now they're on the payroll.
0: Mm-hmm. So what you need to be able to do is demonstrate your ability to remain current with the tech and with the industry. When you're going into an interview, have a list of influencers you follow. Be prepared for the common question of how do you keep up with changes in the industry and the way you can set yourself apart from the other applicants, because they're going to be talking about how they keep up with changes in the tech industry. Talk about how you keep up with changes in... For will the print industry right, or for me the government, especially
1: if you're trying to stay in that space.
0: Yeah. Well, if you're, this goes back to doing your research. Yeah. And I know we haven't talked about it in this particular episode, but we've talked about it in our interviewing series on doing your research on the company. Do your research. Find out the How industry leaders. Yeah. yeah. And, and and go from there. But like, have this list when you go in. Be able to discuss what's going on right now in the industry, even if you kind of barely understand it, even if you go, Hey, you know, I read about this, but I don't really understand it because I'm not in the industry that much, but you go in and you're talking about what they do as a business, not just what you can do for them as, as a developer, but what they do as a business. And you're understanding that domain side. We just had that episode on domain driven development, and you can talk to them about their domain. Yeah. You're going to stand out. They're going to go, hey, that guy knows what we're doing. That guy gets it.
1: Well, the other thing you do is it makes you ask intelligent questions and then they answer you. Yeah. There's a weird psychological thing, and I've brought this up before, but people like you better when they help you Mm -hmm. than when you help them a lot of times, like as far as like getting that initial hook, it's it's really weird, but it, it works.
0: Finally, under improving your skills, have a plan. This goes back to everything that we push on this podcast is have a plan, but have a plan for your education and what you want to learn next. It goes along with the theme for this year of building your story, but build your educational story, you know, know what you're learning now, but also know what you're learning next and have an overall goal. Like, I really love back-end development. I'm really getting into the data side of things. And so once I get the net C sharp down to where I, I feel like I could compete for any position as a senior developer in that world, I'm going to look into more data driven things like maybe R or Python or something like that. Or just getting in a really nasty SQL for that yeah. matter and, and, and get into more of the data stuff because that's where I'm, that's what fascinates me. And so, my education, I I want to learn my current thing now, but I have plans. And that's what I'm saying. Also, use your career goals to drive what you learn. So, if you want to go into management, once you've got your technology down, start taking courses on leadership and intermingle those in with what you're doing. If you want to go the architect route, continue your development education, but focus on design and systems. If you want to go the entrepreneurial route, take business courses.
1: Yeah. Or learn marketing. Yeah. Like actually, you know, because I mean, I've got some marketing stuff. I mean, I paid for a Google Analytics course and I Mm -hmm. went through that and I've gone through, you know, a bunch of different marketing oriented things specifically for developers for that reason. It's because it's not just, oh, I'm better at C sharp. Like there, there's a point where that's like you, you get to the point where you get diminishing returns on the thing that's making your paycheck now and you build the next thing.
0: Right. And that's what I'm getting at is have that plan for, all right, I've gotten to the point where I'm plateauing here. What's the next step? Right. You should never remain on a plateau. You should move to the next mountain. Yeah. The next thing to, to do to help yourself stand out is to know your audience. Understand the people that you're talking to. And we've talked about you're kind of selling your experience and selling your ability to grow. But understand who you're selling that to. Uh, we, we mentioned this earlier, but research the companies and the places that you're going to be interviewing before you go into the interview. You, you will impress a future employer by just a simple Google search or reviewing their LinkedIn profile.
1: And I mean, like it doesn't really take much. Like The job that I've got right now, you know, I went to their website initially. At that point, the marketing was not nailed down as well as it needed to be because I was, I was in the interview. And I'm like, I literally don't know what you guys do. I looked at your I mean, I didn't say that because obviously you don't want to come across bad, but it's like, you know, I looked at the website I can tell you're using WordPress and yeah, you know, like you get all that stuff and you're like, ah, you know, mm-hmm. um, but if you do just a, you know, a minimum amount, it, you like, it doesn't take a lot to get ahead of most of the population on this.
0: And, and this goes right along with aiming for jobs that progress you towards your ultimate career goals. So look for companies that are going to help you along that path. Right. And apply it when you aren't looking for a job, too. You know, research those companies that you think, I want to work here. Yeah. You know, if if you have that desire to work for Google.
1: Yeah. Then you need to start making some friends over there and start making Mm -hmm. some connections. And and really
0: start researching Java and Python, because that's apparently what they use.
1: Yeah. Well, and and the (laughs) other thing is, you know... You don't want to make friends just like fake friends, but like you need to make contacts over there and see, you know, because you may have this idea of what a company is. Oh, yeah. It's not. And you're better off finding that out before you move all the way across to wherever they, you know, their offices are and you know, buy a house and you go, okay, I'm first day of the job and I hate it.
0: Next, show that you can solve problems for your target audience. As developers, we're not hired to type or to write code most of the time. Instead we're hired to solve problems with computers. We speak the language of code to solve those problems, but our focus should be on problem solving, not on writing code.
1: Yeah. It's a very strange thing in this industry how many people there are that seem to think that, you know, that it is about the code versus about solving the problem because for the business people it just isn't like they don't care. They don't care what language you wrote it in. They don't even care. Like if you did it in Fox Pro, other than the fact that they're going to have to maintain that and there might be a security risk at this yeah. point. Like if it works and they never have to touch it, they don't care. They don't. They can't be made to care because like the money's in it. It's fixed.
0: It's gone. Well, that's like I was on the maintenance team the last quarter of the past year and there was one division that had to do a annual report. And every year, they had to change the dates on the cover letter, yeah, which is a PDF, and we had to go in and replace it. And I pointed out to my boss, I'm like, you know, if we just made those fields editable, because other fields are on that PDF, Like, if we made those editable and then gave them a screen where they could just type them in, they could type them in once, store them in memory, and then just generate all the reports, and they're good to go, she's like... That is a really, like, I'm thinking from the code perspective, she's like, that's really great, but halfway through next year, we're going to rewrite that entire application. Yeah. There's no point in doing that. Yeah. It's like, I I see where you're coming from, and I I think that's great. If we weren't going to do, if we didn't already have something else going on with them, we would just, we would do that, but there's no point in it. Right. And,
1: you know, it. You need to kind of get enough of the business mindset that you can actually determine this stuff mm-hmm. when you go in. Because that's the other thing I see is people that, you know, like they want to push the newest framework mm-hmm. because it's cool and it's whiz bang, but it's like, okay, what kind of support is there on it? Is it going to change again in a month? Yeah. Can I get other people? You know, they, they don't have those things in their headspace. Mm-hmm. And so you really want to show that you do.
0: Right. Oh. And, and what I was trying to do with my suggestion was to solve a problem that the business side didn't even know they had. And so the best way to endear yourself to a potential employer is to show how you can solve a problem. They didn't even know they had.
1: Yeah. I've thought of the other thing I've thought about doing is just flat out asking what's yeah. the biggest problem you'll have that, that in is, an interview. But you know, like I thought about that between the last interview I had and now <laughs> it's like I uh, uh, yeah. need this information, but somebody out there might
0: use yeah. that. The The trick here, and it can be tricky, is that you don't want to start pointing out flaws right. in something or a system that they may take pride in. So you got to be careful with it. But if you can see a problem that they may not see and present it in a way that you're showing a solution like, hey, have you guys tried doing this? Or... does this work or have you tried doing it this way? They may have a reason for not. They may have tried that and be like, oh yeah, this is why it doesn't work. And And I
1: run into that at work all the time where I'll be like, well, have you tried this? Well, yeah, previous developer you know, or more than one previous developer tried it. Yeah. And, and then you go, what happened? Well, they couldn't do it. So, you know, and it's like, well, (laughs) guess what?
0: Yeah. If you, if, if someone else has tried it and there's something they want, but they're like, well, we just can't have that. And then you can do it. That's great. Yeah. If you can't do it, don't say you can. Right. Cause that's the best way to. Yeah. That's the worst
1: know. ever. But I mean, you can, you can actually set those conversations up where now you're discussing value
0: instead of price. And that's exactly the final point I wanted to make under this, which is you want to put your coding chops, your abilities in terms of how you benefit the person or employer that you're talking with. You, you want to. Not show them, oh, look how great of a coder I am. Look look how awesome I can create these algorithms. You want to say, look at the ways that I can save you money or look at how I can make you money.
1: Right, because that doesn't come in an algorithms book. No. I've got one. I can look.
0: <laughs> he does. He's pointing to it.
1: <sighs> that book.
0: <laughs> Finally, and the last point we're going to talk about is contributing to the community. Make yourself stand out. By becoming a resource through answering questions of those junior to you. You know, there's a lot of sites like Quora or Stack Overflow that you can go to to answer these questions, sort of build up a reputation. Yeah. As a knowledgeable resource. For
1: instance, John Skeet on Stack Overflow. Oh, yeah. everybody knows who John Skeet is.
0: Yes. If, if he goes out for a job, People already know who he is.
1: Yeah. Although realistically at that, you know, there's a certain point too, where you've built up enough of a personal brand. You don't go out for a job. The jobs come to
0: you. That's very true. Yeah. At some point, I hope that you and I are there. (laughs)
1: Uh, Another thing you can do is start a technical blog to explain the things you've learned as you're going. So this is a good way to show off your work or knowledge of an area. But the, the nice thing about this is you're actually doing it in a way that it's not bragging.
0: Yeah. You want to make this more than a portfolio the best thing you can do is turn it into a tutorial. One of the influences that caused me to decide to create the course on how to think like a developer um, also asked the question that we answered on our Facebook Live, which is, you know, what are some resources that have both a coding challenge and the solution? Because as an early developer, I know when I was starting out, one of the things that I loved to do to really learn something was to find a tutorial and walk through it and then go play around with it.
1: Yeah. And I did the same thing. Uh, Of course, when I did it, it was like, you get a book from like rocks or something, and you know, you went to borders,
0: you create a blog with a tutorial sense or feel to it. Then people can come in and build the thing that you're showing and add to it, you know, like a calculator.
1: That calculator, Ah,
0: man. The the cool thing is, even brand new developers can blog about what they're learning. Newbies have a perspective that more advanced developers don't have anymore.
1: Yeah, well, we lose it.
0: You know, it's like we have this switch that once it flips, you understand the concept,
1: but you don't understand not understanding it. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. And the other thing with a junior developer, especially with the blogging is they're, they're energetic and they're very interested mm-hmm. in the stuff. And that comes through your writing. This is a really good time to use that particular way of doing things.
0: Right. Also participate in local user groups, meetups and conferences. You know, in a lot of medium to larger size cities, there are user groups and meetups that you can go to. And go beyond just attending by speaking at one or more of the local groups. Like I know you and I are getting into conference speaking.
1: Yeah, and I wish I'd done this
0: a lot sooner. I know a couple of people that have graduated from Nashville Software School and then after spending a year or so in the industry, are going and speaking at user groups on you know how to move from Angular J S to Angular Four. Yeah. Because they they've done it. Done it. They've been in a job where they had to do that. They learned JS in school and they went to the job. And the job was doing Angular JS, but moving to Angular 4. And so they've done that and they brought it to other people who are, some were veterans yeah, who've been so, doing this longer than you.
1: Yeah. And if I'd been at one of my previous jobs where we were using Angular JS, you know, I wouldn't have had the experience to do that. Like a junior dev- developer could legitimately come in there and show me how to do that. And I mean, I've got more material now.
0: Yeah. But, you know, and and the thing is, someone that is a year out of school was teaching people who had been in the industry for 20 some years. Yeah. But they had done something that the other person hadn't. And you don't even have to have done something that someone else hasn't done. You can still go and talk on your experiences. But talking's not for everyone. You know, you got to kind of be able to get up in front of a crowd and things like that. Our industry tends to attract people that don't like to do that
1: yeah so if you do it,
0: yeah but yeah, so if you do it it does stand out but you know that's hard to do sometimes you can also volunteer to work at a conference or organize and lead one of the groups and this is a great way to stand out from the crowd without having to stand in front of the crowd and the the other thing is if you don't find a group in your area that you're interested in just make one yep that's what we did we didn't you know there wasn't a group for the things that we wanted, you are focusing on building your career.
1: Right. Especially the stuff that you needed. Yeah. At that point.
0: Finally, join and contribute to community or open source projects. This is a great way to go beyond just having a portfolio and show your skills in a productive way. You know, your portfolio shows that you know how to code.
1: Yeah. And what's, you do need to show a progression. When you Mm -hmm. do that, like, you don't want to have a portfolio that's like, here's how to do Hello World in 20 languages. Um, You and I know a couple of people that have that, and it doesn't, like, the public persona that they put on tends to go away for their listeners or their people that attend their talks when they go and look at their GitHub profile and see that and nothing else. Like, you kind of have to almost show the story there.
0: Yeah, contributions to active code show not only that you know what you're doing, And that other people who are creating things know that you know what you're doing. But it also shows that you can work on a project with a distributed team. It shows, hey, not only can I code and other people recognize that I have the abilities to contribute, but also I can work with a group of people and collaborate to build something.
1: And I don't have to have somebody standing over me.
0: Right. Right. Another thing you could do is to find a cause that you feel strongly about and join something like a civic hackathon or a coding group that promotes it.
1: Yeah. And there was a thing that used to be here in Nashville and it's not now. It's called Give Camp. Mm -hmm. And they basically locked you in the Goodwill building for a weekend. I mean, you could leave. Yeah. But, you know, they brought in Red Bull and pizza and like people broke into groups and did stuff for charitable organizations, built websites, you know, just. Everybody broke off into teams, and that's what they did,
0: yeah, I know several people that have done that.
1: yeah, it was fun. Um, now, I will tell you that my body is a little old for hackathons like that. Um, <laughs> you and I are more the
0: organizers of hackathons,
1: right, like we would be the logistics supply chain to make sure the Red Bull stays available
0: like we would we would yeah. be the ones we wouldn't be the ones in the trenches building, we would be taking turns sleeping and <laughs>
1: <laughs> or like or running in and, and you know, jumping in and helping some group when they're stuck or something right. like that. But yeah. like the that grind for a weekend probably is for people younger than us.
0: So whether you're starting your career or moving up to the next level, you want to stand out from the crowd. A lot of other developers are attempting to do the same thing. The trick is to be growing as a developer, understand your industry, and do your homework on the places that you're interviewing. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, you know, we've been talking a lot about how you contribute
1: and how that uh, helps grow things for you. And I just want to add another aspect to this, and that is it's very valuable to build your own tribe. Uh, Beige and I have done that with our developer Launchpad group and, you know, the community around the podcast. Lots of other people ha- that have uh, you know, successful blogs, successful meetups successful podcasts, et cetera, um, have done that. They said, okay, what kind of community do I want? And then they go out and they create it. Uh, they find like-minded people, they create events, they get everything going. And then one day you look around and you're like, wow, I've, I've got exactly the kind of people around me that I want to have around me. You're not obligated to do this passively. You can do this actively. You can just go and say, Hey, I want a group that does this and you know works under these constraints because that's what I'm dealing with, and then create a meetup and then just see what happens. See if people show. You might be surprised, uh, especially if you're consistent. You can really uh, build up a pretty good following, and you know it could be a group of people that mutually helps each other. You may spend a whole lot more time helping other people than you you know you might have thought, and yet you still come out ahead. And I just want to throw that out there as as an idea. You know, we're all able to do this. So go do it. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By For Titanfall" by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Look for us each week on Facebook Live before we record each episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.